I stayed in it. And yes, it hurt. Yes, it was challenging. Yes, it made me cry. Yes, even more than the physical scars, it left a whole lot of internal scars. But because of that, not only did I survive, I conquered all of that. And welcome to the Run the Race podcast, where we talk about fitness and faith on a weekly basis. We all need motivation, maybe to lose weight or get stronger physically or get closer to God as we all seek purpose in life. I'm your host, Jason Dennis, hoping to inspire you to run the race of life as we sit down with fascinating guests digging deeper into the mind, body, and soul. Let's do this. Well, here we are again. Uh, Thank you so much for uh, choosing the Run the Race podcast as we are now on uh, episode 68, uh, rolling right along after a year and a half of uh, doing this show. I really enjoyed it, having some great guests. Uh, later on in this episode, we'll talk about uh, uh, some some tips in terms of dealing with stress and sleep issues and, and trying, to, trying to lose weight since uh, now it's kind of officially or unofficially summertime, people getting ready for the beach, all that kind of stuff. Uh, but first, I wanted to focus a little on the military because this episode will come out on Memorial Day or perhaps maybe the day after that. And uh, just really an important time to not just about grilling and having fun with family and friends or a long weekend, but uh, we hope that you know y- your focus is on on this holiday and also really throughout the whole year and honoring uh, our military, our brave men and women uh, in uniform uh, throughout the United States that have uh, fought for our freedom and have died, given the ultimate sacrifice on the battlefield in that uniform. And we thank them for what they do. We never want to forget uh, what they did for us. Um, and, and, and serving our country. And uh, my guest for uh, this episode is a young man that is serving his country right now. And uh, I'm excited to uh, hear from him. And, and uh, in fact, uh, he interviewed me about a month ago for his podcast. And uh, that episode just came out a few days ago. It's the One Life Podcast. And it's episode 51. He titled it Being Anchored by Faith in Christ. And uh, I just listened to that episode. And he did a great job on that. I talk about uh, my journey uh, from being a kid who loved sports and wanted to be a sports anchor to eventually being a TV news anchor and how uh, faith in Christ is so important to me in my life and uh, and also you know my how I got into running and really enjoy the opportunity to to share my story a little bit be on the other side of the microphone uh, and the host of that. Uh, podcast, the One Life Podcast, is again my guest for uh, this episode. He is U.S. Army Second Lieutenant Army Officer Devin Rodriguez. He's also a uh, motivational speaker, a certified professional coach, ultra marathon athlete. He's only 23 years old. I met him um, just a, a few weeks or months ago at this uh, uh, race that I told you about a few episodes ago called One Mile at a Time Challenge, where you go one mile around a lake. You have 50 minutes to do that, and you just keep on going until you can't go anymore. He ended up winning that race. That was the furthest I'd ever run was 35 miles. He made it 76 miles, so he lasted longer than anybody else. Uh, Devin Rodriguez was very very uh, inspirational and impressive on that day, and I got to run a few laps with him in terms of talking to him and getting to know him. And uh, 
And going back in time a little bit, uh, Devin was the number three ROTC cadet in America at about 5,700 when he attended St. John's University. Uh, he went on to go to Army Airborne School, essentially ranking uh, number one out of uh, almost 400 soldiers and cadets at that course called the Honor Graduate. He also did Army Cadet Leader Training, CTLT, and it was his first opportunity to lead active duty soldiers. Again, he is a U.S. Army second lieutenant now. Uh, he was a college of business major as well and uh, really focused on uh, really helping others, motivating them on his podcast. He talks about, you know, the tools to really kind of take full advantage of the one life you have. And, and so you'll have a legacy that you leave behind. He's had some great guests on there, including uh, um, retired General uh, David Petraeus. So some great guests he's had on there. And his mission's really kind of uh, helping folks live a principle-focused life. Uh, you know, really amazing the, the wisdom he gives out as a 23-year-old. So uh, uh, I really hope that you uh, stick around for our entire conversation about uh, so many things from him growing up being bullied and now kind of making that switch and his Christian and, and Catholic faith, how that's transferred to servant leadership, uh, running, uh, ultra marathons, including a 105-miler, uh, his military career, and his podcast. And uh, I really, uh, really enjoyed my conversation with Devin Rodriguez. I'd like to welcome my uh, second lieutenant, Devin Rodriguez, to the podcast. Thank you so much for joining us. I appreciate it. Oh, it's always a pleasure being in your presence. <laughs> Thank you for having me. I appreciate and, it. And we just met um, like a month or two ago at that one mile at a time challenge where it's this one mile loop that you keep doing every 15 minutes. And uh, you and I ran a few of those laps together and you ended up winning that 76 miles in like what, 16, 18 hours? I think it was 18 hours and 15 minutes. Wow. Man, congratulations on that. So we're going to talk about your uh, your running adventures today, how you did a 105-miler before even doing a marathon, your uh, your military exploits, uh, being a podcast host, One, uh, One Life podcast. We're going to talk about uh, you and your, your faith and how that connects to servant leadership. But first, I, I, you know, I kind of read up on you a little bit beforehand, and I, I, I've heard that you had a tumultuous, I guess, upbringing in terms of, you know, you were, you were bullied growing up and, and uh, dealt with some of that. You grew up in New York, right? In uh, Queens. So tell me about that. Because first of all, before we get into, I know this is kind of a deep way to start, but uh, tell me about um, how that affected you, because there may be people listening that can relate and you can go one or two directions with this, right? Absolutely. And for me, it, that whole experience was very unique. Why? Because I grew up in a situation in where my biological father abandoned me from a young age. Hmm. By the time I was three, the last memory that I have of him was him handing me a pair of jeans on my birthday and then walking off in the distance, turning around. And at that age, you don't really know what that means, but you know, you remember the look. And what that look meant was that I'm never going to see you again and make an effort to be in your life. Wow. So with that being said, my grandparents really raised me because my mother was working in the Twin Towers. In fact, she was there when it was hit. And luckily, she was on the 13th floor able to escape safely without being harmed. Uh, but unfortunately, she was scarred from that situation, as, as many people were. We grew up. Luckily, I had a bonus father step into my life named Louie, who's really my hero. And when he came into my life, we moved into another neighborhood called Broad Channel, Queens, New York. And I was in the second grade, and I really thought that this was going to be a fantastic opportunity to make new friends and to start a, a new life with my family. And what really 
came was the exact opposite of that. I remember the first day of school and the teacher bringing me up in a friend. Hi, class. This is Devin Rodriguez. Please welcome him to the class. And I said, hi, how's everybody? Hi. And I remember that nobody responded and all that came back to me were stares, glances, people looking at me side-eyed. And I didn't know what that meant at the time. But as time went on, I quickly understood what that meant as stares were the last of my concerns as I was bullied vocally, uh, physically, emotionally, spiritually. And it came to a point where I couldn't even go to, go to the park. I couldn't leave my house. Why? Because the color of my skin dictated how other people treated me. And for me, it was, it was really a tumultuous situation as you had perfectly described it. But in a similar way, in, in, in another way, it's also the best thing that ever happened to me mm. because it really enabled me to learn a lot of stuff. And I'll share two quick points from that experience that I take with me and that I share with people on a regular basis. The first came in the fifth grade when I was presented with a choice to make. I believe that in life, as one of my mentors says, we make choices and our choices make us. And I went to the park one day and I loved basketball, but unfortunately I was rejected so I couldn't really play with the kids that were the cool guys to play with. So they had the A court and they had the B court. The B court was where the quote-unquote rejects played The A court was where the cool kids played. So, of course, I was on the B court. Well, I was playing, and the ball hit off the front of the rim, and it rolled on to the A court as I was dashing in between everybody trying to find, you know, trying to get the ball. I was a little chubby at the time, so I couldn't really run the ball down. So then it landed into the hands of a kid named Mike, who was a few years older than me, picks the ball up, and he kicks it into the weeds. And I'm screaming, Mike, 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 why are you doing this to me? Why are you doing this to me? And he says, what are you going to do about it? And I'm standing there like cockeyed. Uh, I'm not going to do nothing about it because, he, number one, he's four years older than me. Number two, there's a bunch of other kids around there who had already beaten me up or had intentions of beating me up. So I left the park. I was really upset because it was a brand-new basketball, and I went home. I took a route that cut through the park into the playground, and I went, through the, went to the playground. And what met me was five of my main, the main culprits, the five main bullies were just standing there waiting for me. Mm. And I knew what that meant. I knew that what was about to happen was, was something that was not pleasant. So what did I do? I just did what my gut told me, what God I felt told me to do, and it was run for the gate. But in order to get to the gate, that would enable me to get out and then run another two blocks to my house. I, I had a dash in between everybody. So I did that somehow. I dashed in between everybody. And then I went to the gate, and this is where I want people to understand that the gate was locked. Now, I tried so desperately to open that gate, but one of the kids had locked it. And at that moment, as I was shaking the gate, I knew what was going to happen from there. I was ended up in the fetal position, just being kicked around, punched, elbowed, kneed, the whole nine yards screaming out, help, 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 why is nobody helping me? I was just screaming, I was bloody, I was just in a terrible situation laid up in the fetal position you're like 11 12 years old yeah at that time i was probably 12 years old and finally someone from the street screamed out hey get off of that kid and the kids went running or whatever the case may be and then i went home and then my parents saw how bloody i was my nose was was all busted up and everything and this is the point my parents gave me a choice to make said Devin, why don't you allow us to transfer you out of this school get away from this situation go somewhere else and I turned to them, and almost without hesitation, I said, Mom, Dad, I'm sorry, but I'm not going anywhere. 
and they kind of just looked at me and said, son, are you, sh- are you sure? Look at the situation. I said, mom, dad, I'm not going anywhere. And as a young kid, you don't really understand why you make such choices. But as I reflect back now, I believe that we all have the ability to either give ourselves the authority to make the decisions over our lives or give that influence over to other people. And if I would have left that school, it wouldn't have been because I wanted to go to another school. It would have been because I've allowed these other people to dictate my future for me. And I'm so glad that I did not make that decision because now I choose my future. But if I would have chose the other route back then, it just would have laid the foundation for my life that it's okay to run away from your problems and to take the, take the easy way out. And just to put a whole cap on it, the power of perseverance is real. There's a man named Walter Elliott. He had a great quote. He said that perseverance is not a long race. It is many short races, one after the other. And for every, every day of my life for that six-year period was one of those short races. Well, in the eighth grade, my proudest moment. <laughs> the same kids that beat me up in that park nominated me as the school president of PS 47. So if I would have given up five, three years earlier than that, I would have never been able to experience that beauty. But luckily, I made that decision to stick with it. And then after all of those beatings, both mentally and emotionally, I was able to experience something quite beautiful, which was having my hand raised high and looking out over the crowd and seeing, you know what? It's not about the accolade but it's about the person that I became and the accomplishment and the getting of this accolade. And, and the person that I became, you can't, you can't match any accolade with that. So yeah. it's, it was an incredible experience that I will forever treasure, and I'm so thankful for it now. Yeah, I mean, great story. And, 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 it's, and it's, like you said, facing your challenges, not running from them, because, you know, there, there's going to be, you're going to have hills and valleys throughout your life. And so, you know, with those, those things that you went through as, you know, a, a 12-year-old and then again as, you know, a teenager, um, do you think, you know, and now you, you just turned 23 recently um, on, on the day of that race that we ran together one mile at a time, do you feel like that that is really, that really changed the course for you in terms of, you know, um, that you kind of owned it? And that, like, even to this day, it's like I, you know, am in charge of my future, or I'm, or God and myself are in charge. Yeah, absolutely. First off, Jason, I went home last last year. You commented on I'm, last week. You, you commented on my age. So I, I go, I go home, and I'm sitting on the couch, and my mom goes, "Wow, Devin, you have a lot of gray hairs." And she starts counting them. Of one, two, three, four, and finally she goes up to. Six. It's even short. It's a military haircut. So I, I got, I got a, a fade here, and she goes, "You got sixteen gray hairs." So I'm like, "Mom, really? You got to say that?" But anyways, yes. That, that's why you don't like to go back to New York. Right? <laughs> that is, Oh man, but it, but besides that, I do believe that that whole situation, everything that I went through those years really did lay the foundation for my life. And that was those were the pivotal moments in which I was I was faced with a decision. From a young age, I believe that we should really be teaching our kids and speaking from experience, what I think would have what really would have helped me and I think what really would help other kids is to start teaching them the power of investing in yourself. Mm-hmm. And what I mean by that is I understand the school system has to teach about algebra and, and math and subtraction and grammar and all of this. But my life fundamentally started to shift once I started investing in who I was. You see, when I went through all of that situ- those situations, that really laid the foundation. 
that that showed me that hey, I have the ability to create the future that I want. I did not give up and give into the situation. I stayed in it, and yes, it hurt. Yes, it was challenging. Yes, it made me cry. Yes, even more than the physical scars, it left a whole lot of internal scars. But because of that, not only did I survive, I conquered all of that. And in the eighth grade, I stood there uh, as, as she was, Miss Donahue was about to read off the election results. I had one eye closed, the other eye open, trying to look out of the corner <laughs> of my eye and, and see if whose name was on it. I couldn't see it. And Devin Rodriguez, yeah! That laid the foundation right there. And God was working in that, right? We talk about faith on this podcast. God was in the midst saying that if do not give up because your gifts are on the other side of you persevering. So then going into high school around the age of 15, I really got into the field of personal development. And that is when my life just radically changed. Up until that point, people would tell me about some of the personal development stuff. And uh, yeah, okay, save that for the people that actually... (laughs) The seven habits of highly effective people. Right, and that was one of the first (laughs) books that kind of... That was one of the first books that kind of started it for me. But I started to read books and listen to motivational messages and motivational videos. And I started to become more happy, more grateful. I was able to influence people more. I drew closer to God. And it was like, whoa, wow. I'm lucky to have found this at an early age. But I want to spend the rest of my life helping other people find this. Maybe not at an early age, but wherever they are in life, that you have the ability to create your future. But it's going to take some work. It's going to take you looking in the mirror and saying, hey, in order for me to do what I want to do, more importantly, be who I want to be, I have to do things that I haven't done. And sometimes that requires you to go and and do some uncomfortable things. So that whole tumultuous upbringing laid such a beautiful situation. But in the midst of it, of course, all you see is the storm. But looking back on it, you know, I heard someone say the other day that my track, it was Steve Harvey. He said, my track record for overcoming difficult situations is 100%. And I was like, wow, that is so true. And I think we get that from Jesus, though. Yeah. Look at what he went through. His track record is flawless, not only in you know overcoming difficult situations and, and everything, but specifically overcoming negative situations, quote unquote negative, because if you look at the death on, on the cross, that's supposed to be the most negative. That's what everybody there were crying, so upset. If, if you really are God, take yourself down. But in fact, that was the most beautiful thing in his life because, in fact, I believe his life didn't really start until after he died Mm -hmm. because without that, we wouldn't have the the billions of people who follow him. But it's about what he did after his death, which was, quote unquote, the most horrible thing. Yeah. So we all go through horrible things, but on the other side of it, the person that we can become and the things we can do is similar. We can't resurrect from the dead, (laughs) but we can overcome obstacles and challenges and then become a better person on the other side. And similar to what Jesus did, show people that there is a better future ahead. Yeah. And he, even he, you know, in the garden of Gethsemane and, and, and beyond that, he said, can you just kind of, can this cut paths for me? And, And he was, you know, human in that way that like he dealt with the emotions like that. This is, uh, this is going to be really difficult, but I think God rewards us for doing the hard things. And, and as, as you get older and do more hard things, you may get more gray hairs as well. So <laughs> as you get going, well, we're going to talk a little bit of, uh, you know, about, uh, about God, about your leadership um, that you've learned and, and faith and, and, um, and also your running adventures and, and military career. But uh, I wanted to kind of uh, do a, some rapid fire. I'm going to put you in the hot seat. We do a fast four here. 
So uh, to kind of get to know you a little bit, uh, Devin Rodriguez. Uh, so uh, the first is, uh, what is your current job description, like in terms of what you do um, at work and also at home? So for work, I primarily full-time, you know, quote-unquote nine-to-five type of job. Obviously, I'm in the military, active duty, infantry officer, so that takes up a lot of my time. You're Fort Benning. At Fort Benning, that is correct. And on top of that, I am a certified professional life and leadership coach. So I have clients that I work with and it's really a fabulous, fabulous adventure that I'm so passionate about. And also really stepping into uh, the speaking industry and personal development industry uh, very, 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 very much so. And it's a great adventure. So those three are the primary things. And then just a bunch of things just kind of just sprout out from those. (laughs) But those are the big umbrellas which my life encompasses at the moment at home so i live with my girlfriend who i've been with for almost four years and then i have my two dogs who i love so much (laughs) and then i have a cat as well and and i just bought my first house back in november so Mm -hmm. it's been a, a unique experience moving out of your family's house and then six months later or eight months later having your own house and having all of that responsibility. I joke around with people that I'm lucky in New York if I have a patch of grass in front of my house. <laughs> well, now I have five acres of land, so it's a little bit different. Yeah. So I, you see me out there mowing the lawn and oh. taking it home. Like, but I, I, it's a great experience, and it, it's teaching me a lot, and I, I love it. Like I told you before we started, I can't – I'm sorry if my friends in New York, my family, I'm sorry, but I don't know <laughs> if I could come back because it's just a totally different life, but I, I'm loving it. You're you're, you're domesticated, Devin. Now, <laughs> yes, 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 <laughs> I am. Yes, I am. Um, what uh, do you have? Any kind of a, a spiritual or um, inspirational mantra or motto? Something I know you have a you have a lot of quotes that you pull from that are in, you know try to inspire others. But for you, there's something that really like that Devin Rodriguez lives by. Absolutely, and to preface it. It, it, it's really, really a personal one that was spurred by a, one of these cataclysmic events that we all have in life. Well, in 2016, I, I mentioned earlier that my grandparents really raised me. My grandmother, Bruna, I'm half Hispanic, half Italian. You would never guess because my last name is Rodriguez and I have tan, <laughs> a really tan skin. But I am half Italian. And my grandmother, Bruna, was from Italy, hmm. barely spoke a word of English. But she was one of those old Italian ladies who were just the most beautiful, impressive women, cooked every day, cleaned every day, did laundry every day. Just what you see in movies, that was her. And on top of that, she was about four foot 11. So yeah, (laughs) she she fits the the stereotype and boy, was she (laughs) spunky. Fabulous woman. In fact, she was the type of woman that would cook for you in case you came over. I've still yet to meet meet another woman that would cook for you in case you came. So I come from an internship one day. And this so happened to be one of those times that she made some extra food just for me. Oh, Devin, I'm so happy I cook extra food for you. <laughs> hey, you go sit down. Come on, sit down, sit down. So we sit down and we eat food. There's the, there's the Italian bread. There's some olive oil. There's some cheese, the, the pasta, the whole nine yards. And, of course, you tell her you're done. That's the, the starting point for more. You, you, yeah. say, you, say, <laughs> you say done, she says more. But if you refuse, it's like disrespectful, right? You can't, yeah. you can't refuse. Yeah. And, and, and Unbelievable. But... Going back to choices, she gave me a choice to make. And this is, goes back to why I, just, I, I have this mantra that I say to myself. She said, Devin, after the meal was done, we broke bread together. My grandfather was at the table. They loved to drink red wine the whole nine yards. She said, Devin, why don't you sleep over? It's been so long since you slept over the house. I would really love to have you. And I turned to her and I said, Grandma, listen, I am working at an internship in Manhattan. 
it would take me about 10 more minutes to get to the train station from here than it would to get to the train station from my house. I'm just going to sleep over next weekend, Grandma. And she's, okay, no problem. I love you. Here, take some food with you to go home. Okay, great. Everything's good. I get a call a couple days later that my grandmother has been brought to the hospital. What happened, Mom? What happened? Oh, don't worry about it. She just has some minor stomach issue. There will be nothing major. They just want to keep her overnight. They weren't even going to keep her overnight, but they're going to do it just to run some more tests. It was something with her gallbladder. Hmm. No big deal. Well, come to find out, they kept her overnight, and then 5 a.m. In the, at 5 a.m., she had a massive heart attack. Hmm. And with that massive heart attack, the doctors didn't know it at the time, but it started. she started to turn septic. And all her major organs started to shut Mm. down. They continued to tell me, my parents, that everything was going to be okay because they actually thought that it was going to be okay. Finally, they said, Devin, listen, we're going to have to go. You're going to have to come, leave the city, come home. We've got to go to the hospital. Why, Mom? Why, Dad? Well, the doctor's got to perform emergency surgery because something serious happened. to. But you told me everything was okay. Yeah. Devin, come with us. We have to go. Okay, fine. I get on the train, 45-minute train ride home, get on, the, get on the, the bus to go home. I get in my parents' car. We're zooming, to the, we're zooming there because it's a race against the clock. They're going to take her into, into surgery, and we're racing to make sure that I could see her before she goes into surgery because it wasn't a promise that she would make it through. So we show up to the hospital. I go in. They're wheeling her out. So they're wheeling her, and I'm saying, Grandma, Grandma, I love you so much. Please make it through. Please make it through. Well, she makes it through. But the only thing was, was that the doctor came down and said, listen, I'm so sorry to tell you this, but there's nothing that we can do. Why not? Because all of her organs are shut down. They're done. The only Mm. thing keeping her alive is life support. So at that moment, we had to make a choice. Keep her on life support or pull the plug. So we pulled pulled the plug. And in that moment, as, as we pulled that plug, life just brought me to my knees. Life brought me to my knees. It was just one of those moments where I was just, I, I, I literally was on my knees next to her bed and I held her hand and I, I just kissed her and I whispered in her ear these words, I am always going to make you so proud. And that was my commitment to her, my commitment to excellence. I had somebody text me not too long ago, said, Devin, I have a really hard time staying committed to myself. And I said, well, I believe that's because you're not committed to something greater than yourself. And to tie it all back to your question, what's enabled me to stay committed to excellence is that although my grandmother died, that was the greatest gift she could have ever given to me. Because yes, she died, but now she lives in me and through me. And she taught me this very important question, which is the mantra that I live by, that you are going to die. Whether you like it or not, that's one of the only things. <laughs> it's going to happen one day. That's one of the only things that's guaranteed in life. And I told her I would sleep over next weekend, and I didn't realize next weekend would never come. Mm. So I knelt down on her bedside, but this is key right here. I wanted to rise up a different person. So in life, we're always brought to our knees. It's different times, but the key is to rise up and to be a changed individual. Do not be the same person that went down on your knees. Rise up and be a different person because you went through that situation. So my mantra is that, hey, Devin, listen, you're going to die. But with that being said, I use that to fuel me. How? Number one, to act with urgency. Mm -hmm. And then number two, to live a life that will outlive me. Similar to Jesus, when he died, that was merely the beginning of his life. I want people to talk about me 
thousands of years like Shakespeare mm-hmm. after I'm gone. <laughs> and I believe that that is the way that if it, we, we should live, in my opinion, to leave that legacy, but also to live that legacy. Live that way so that as you're living, you're building the legacy so that when you're gone, people will continue to talk about you and the impact that you had. Because it is about the I don't care what people say about me, more so about the impact that I'm having. So for me, it's, it's you're, you're going to die, but not in a morbid way, in a way that says, wow. That's some serious stuff. So let me do things to live a meaningful life that's centered around impact, fulfillment, and contribution. Yeah, Carpe Diem and your grandma Bruna. She's she. Her, what a legacy she lives. You're talking about her now. I'm sure she. You feel her pushing you. You know, uh, in your job or anything else. That's that's a great story about her. Um, also, you know, we talk about fitness uh, here on the podcast. What do you do? I know you you kind of do PT maybe as part of the army, but what is your kind of routine for the week in terms of staying physically fit? Um, is it is it a combination of biking, running, or what? What's your kind of go to? Uh, yeah, that it, it's very interesting. Why? Because I, I struggle a lot of the time. People may see me. I run these long races and stuff. I, I hate to run. I, <laughs> I really dis- I don't enjoy it. I love playing basketball. Oh, okay. Unfortunately, I'm five foot six and a half, and I, I'm not that talented. Originally, I thought I was going to be the next Michael Jordan. That came to. A are, you, are you a Knicks fan? I'm a Knicks fan. Oh, I'm sorry about that. I am. Whoa, whoa. <laughs> <laughs> Let's slow our roll here. One, one, one game, okay. <laughs> but, but with that being said, I, I don't like to run, but typically I will run around five times per week. Okay. And then as well as a, a bunch of other calisthenics that I really try to throw in there. I used to be big time into bodybuilding, had a, a, a really good coach and all of this stuff. So I've, I went from bodybuilder to ultra marathon runner and kind of everything in, <laughs> in between. between. <laughs> so it's, it's, it's a unique journey. But to me, it's, it's understanding that a lot of the times, you know, I grew up as somebody that my mother was very sickly. So as a result, my family and I went out to eat all the time. So I love food, right? (laughs) Yeah. And as a result, I put on weight very easily. And when you do that, you just get off track and you don't feel like working out. And this happens to me on a regular basis. But I live by another quote that I'll share. And if, if you do in life what is easy, your life will be hard. But if you do in life what is hard, your life will be easy. So I have to do it even when I don't want to. But that's not to say that sometimes I, I don't give in and sometimes I don't do what I'm supposed to. Like leading up to that race, I think I skipped a couple of long runs. I, I did. I'll admit it. I skipped a couple of long But I'm human. I give myself yeah. grace. Sure. Yeah, it's it's okay to take breaks. I mean, it take rest days are like you know this are, are as important as the miles or the, or the weight that you you know you pick up. And uh, closing out the fast four, what is um this always catches people you know. But I, I prepped you a little bit for it. What is something unique about Devin Rodriguez? I, pr- I approach life in, in a very unique way in terms of relationships. I don't value the amount of people that I have in my friend circle. I just really value the quality of people in that friend circle. So for me, a lot of people my age do have a lot of friends. My time, 99% of my time is spent alone. But I actually enjoy that. I enjoy that because, number one, I get to know who I am. And then also I kind of get to formulate in, in, in my own way. I get to work on myself and then I get to formulate how I can take whatever I'm learning from myself and give it on to others. With that being said, though, I am finding a lot of really awesome communities of like-minded people that share common interests as, as, as me. So maybe it's not unique, but for me, at, at my age, I feel like it kind of is unique to just be 
comfortable being alone. And I think that's one of the things that the pandemic has really taught us is that we have to really be okay coming, being alone. But to go back, why it's unique is because that's how I grew up, mm-hmm. being alone in my childhood. Back then, it was misery, where all I wanted to do was be accepted. As I started to invest in myself and saw the trajectory that I was going on, and I don't mean like, oh, I'm going to be a movie star, just, just that I, w- I was seeing results in my life that I liked. And as I looked around at college and high school, it was like, eh, they're not really doing what I want, so let me just spend a little bit more time alone. Of course, I have some friends that I hang out with. Of course, I hang out with family. Of course, I'll go to a party once in a while. But I just like to be with me. Is that okay, Jason? <laughs> it is okay. <laughs> and I think you, you you go from your your turn was like you went from wanting to be accepted to accepting yourself and seeing you and the way God sees you. And like, that, like listen, I'm David Rodriguez, and if people don't like it, then that's their problem, you know. So, Absolutely. I mean, so I think that that's good that you've, you know, kind of made that switch and that flip because, you know, I, I've always heard or, or, or realized in life that you, it's really hard to love others if you don't love yourself. And that's not like an egotistical thing. It's not like, a, like hey, look at me, you know, how great I am. But it's like a matter of you look in the mirror and, you know, you like what what you see. And I think when, when you're running or weightlifting or whatever else, you know, that, that helps because I mean, that makes you feel good about yourself mentally and physically. And speaking of that, you were talking about community and the running community is great around here. And, and, um, so, you know, you, you said you don't like running as much most of the time, and you're probably in the majority of people you're with like 80% of the, of Americans don't like running, but, but you go out, uh, as a young man and do this 105 miler. And we talked earlier about the one mile at a time challenge, which you did 76 miles, but, but you just skip the marathon. Totally. You're like, like, eh, marathon, marathon. I'm going to go do, you know, a hundred mile, uh, ultra marathon. <clears throat> what in the world, uh, I guess, uh, you know, had you do that? I guess, why did you do that? <laughs> one, one man influenced me to do it. And it's going to be no surprise to people. David Goggins really influenced me to do it former navy seal this this he's really hard on the outside yeah. he went through a lot of stuff to get where he where he what where he is and i saw him doing everything what he was doing and of course i had no idea what it took to do what he did but i was sitting there in my junior year of high school the the spring semester and i was really into david goggins at the time i could almost memorize this dude's speeches <laughs> But I was like, you know what? I'm just going to sign up and run 100 miles. I'm just going to do it. I'm just going to do it. So I went online, and I looked up a race, and it ended up only being about an hour away. In New York City, it's really hard to find these ultra marathons. So I, I saw it, and I was like, whatever. I'm going to sign up for it. So I signed up for it. This was in May. The race wasn't until October. How old were you at the time? 21. Okay. 20, right. 21, I believe. Yeah, I just turned 21. So I signed up for the race, and it's about, I don't know – let's say five, six months away. And the thing was, though, that going up to the race, I I had to go to training. This was between my junior and senior year where in ROTC, this is your your training summer. You you go to like a basic type of training. And then I went to airborne school. And then I went to Hawaii to do some other. So this was three total months that all took me. So now... I go away and I come back on September 7th after having not trained one day. (laughs) So I had signed up for a 50K also, and it was on the day that I got back. Well, it just so happened that I only was able to sleep two days the night, two hours the night before because of the airplanes at Fort Benning, they're only able to fly under certain conditions. And it was really windy and we weren't able to jump 
until really late at night. So we didn't get back to the barracks until like 3 a.m. Hmm. So I only slept about two hours that day, but I, I got on the plane. I went home, and I was like, I'm just going to go and do this thing. Yeah. So I went and I did it. And it was miserable. 50K is about 30, 30 almost 32 miles. Oh, yeah. About 32 miles. <laughs> and it was, I had no idea, Jason, about food. I had no idea about salt, about anything. Hydration. Uh, yeah. No, no <laughs> clue. So I, I paid the price a little bit there. And it, it, but I learned a lot too. Sure. I learned a lot. And it was really good doing that before I jumped into the 105 mile race where I just, that was a very unique experience. <laughs> I'll talk about peaks and valleys. Wow. I cried. I was brought to my knees. I was smiling. I was the happiest guy in the world. And then two seconds later, I was crying again. Anybody that's listening to this and, run, and has run that type of distance understands that it's just an emotional and physical roller coaster, but definitely more emotional. And the biggest mistake was that I sat in my chair a whole lot. At every time I, I went to the aid station, it was 10, 10.4-mile loops. Oh. So every time that I came back to the very beginning, there was my chair there. And that was like my solace. <laughs> Let me take a seat. <laughs> the getting up is the hard part. But right? when, I, when I did that, it really just tightened yeah. all of my muscles together. And it came to a point where my girlfriend took a video of me. I didn't even know she was taking it. You could see me barely able, going out on the last lap, to move my feet whatsoever Man. i was carrying my my foot my roller one of you know one of the hard rollers that you roll yeah like what the heck is that gonna do for me you know <laughs> I, I carried it for the last 10.4 miles oh wow but i was like oh, i gotta do something to try to help me but it was it was a, an incredible experience luckily i was able to finish it just over 24 hours and it, it was just an enlightening experience and the why the the reason why is that when you do something like that you start to ask yourself better questions like, if I could do this, what else can I do? Yeah. And on the other hand, well, what can't I do? If I yeah. could do this, what can I do? Yeah. But on the other hand, I did pay the price. <laughs> I, I wasn't able to run for about three months after that. Man. Because I, the most I'd run before that was just the 31 miles. And the, the most before that was, I think, uh, 16 miles. So my body was just completely destroyed. And anybody listening to this, please do not do what I did. <laughs> Seriously. This is a lesson in uh, what, how not to train, right? How not to train. Yes, absolutely. <laughs> so I was just completely destroyed physically. But mentally, it taught me so much about life. You know, you can't get that experience anywhere else in the world where you're just going up and down mentally and physically and emotionally and spiritually where you're praying to God for things you maybe never even prayed of before. You know, like, <laughs> please, please get me to the next turn, the next crossing the road, uh, the, the next crossing of the road, Lord. It's it's just a crazy experience, and I'm so happy I did it. And that really started my interest in running long distances because it's not about the distance, but once again, another common theme of this is the person that I become in the distance. So for me, it's, it's another way that I channel my personal development and I get to see, similar to what other runners on your show have said, is you know what's possible for me, redefining my own limits. And giving you confidence because, like you said, I mean, because it's an achievement. It's like a, something you can add to your buckle. But more than that, it is like it kind of is like, like, man, like 
um, you know, look, not, not just look at me, but like, like, like I did this, you know, cause I mean, you completed it, even though, like you said, you paid the price physically, you know, you completed it and you completed the task. Um, and also kind of, it's a way to kind of like talk about giving glory to God. Like, listen, not, not look at my, what I did, but look what God did, you know, through me. Um, and for you, you know, you grew up uh, Catholic, is that correct? And correct. Catholic faith. So for you did, uh, was, is faith always been like a part of, like a central part of your life, um, whether it be you know running army, uh, growing up, all that kind of stuff. Does it does it still for you? Is it a, a focus? Yeah. So really quickly to backtrack one second, Jason, you had said that look at what God did for me. Yeah. And then I channeled that and told other people, look what God could do for you too. Yeah. Because I'm no different than anybody else. You know, I started off as a kid that was really chubby, had no friends, did all of that. And now I'm out here doing this, you know, by societal means, I'm not supposed to be doing none of this stuff, but now look how God could work for you too. Cause I'm just like you. Yeah, I, I think I've I've read somewhere you you said that you're you were not the most gifted, smartest, oh, no. most uh, most athletic, but you know, but that doesn't mean anything. I mean, because you know whether what height you are or whatever, you know, God can use you as like an example, right? Absolutely, Jason. And to go back to your original question, faith was not something that was always part of my life. Growing up as a Catholic, which most people are in, in, in Queens, New York, a lot of New York, a lot of people are, are just Catholic. If you are a Christian, you, you go and you make your baptism, your communion, your confirmation. That's just like, you know, check, check, check the box. Part right. of the, the, the root, not, not the routine, but part of the, uh, the, um, the ritual. Just part of the ritual. You know, everybody did it. So I did those and I was like, I'm never going to church again. Why? Because honestly, a lot of, a lot of my friends and, and family that's Catholic, that's just what they did. You know, check the bucket, you know, okay, on to the next thing in life. I went to a Catholic high school, and I had a teacher named Mr. Franzetti. Mr. Franzetti was a man who was deeply religious, deeply religious. And I had him, and, and I used to go to study extra early for my SATs. And then I had, was forced to walk up a, uh, one entrance only because half the school was shut down because it was so early, so you could only go up one staircase. And I went up that one staircase, and it was like 7 o'clock in the morning. School didn't start till 8. And Mr. Franzetti, almost every morning without fail, I would see him walking past me, and I would kind of do a double take, like, where is he going? <laughs> and I would see him open the doors to the chapel and go into the chapel, and like every day. Now, in my head, I'm thinking to myself, despite going to this Catholic school, remember, I wasn't Catholic. Originally, going back to basketball, I went there because I thought I was going to be like the next Michael Jordan. <laughs> so, so I went to this, this school because it's the number one basketball school in, in New York, but, you know, Things didn't happen, you know, how I wanted it to be, you know. <laughs> so, I, so I saw him, and I was, I was not religious at the time, so I was like, what the heck is he doing? So I, I had him as my English teacher, and I was like, Mr. Franzetti, what are you doing? I have a reason. I go to study for my SATs with Mr. Hartman every morning. What are, what's your reason for being here an hour early and going in that chapel every day? And what he said to me was, Devin, listen, all I do is that I go in the chapel, I kneel down, and I have a conversation with God. Hmm. Really, Mr. Franzetti? And why do you do that? You talk with God? You talk with God, weirdo. Right? <laughs> that's, what I, that's what I thought at the time. And he was like, Devin, you don't understand this now, but do me a favor. Go into the church and just sit in the back pew, the back row, and just listen. 
okay, Mr. Franzetti, I'll do that. I'll do that. I never, I didn't do that. So a couple weeks go by and of course I hadn't done it. And he says, Devin, how's it going? How's it going sitting in the back of the church? Talk, you know, listening to God, Mr. Franzetti, I got to be honest. I haven't done it one day. He's like, Devin, please just do this. Okay. I'm not telling you this because I want you to be some super Catholic. I just think I see something special in you. And I think that if you do this, it could really be beneficial for you. Okay, Mr. Franzetti, you got my word. <laughs> so this time I actually meant it, and I sat in the back of the church. First, first time, nothing happened. Second time, nothing happened. Third time, nothing happened. Fourth time, nothing happened. Fifth time, sixth time. About a month go by, nothing happened. But I was like, you know what? I'm going to stick with it because I told Mr. Franzetti that I would, and I loved Mr. Franzetti. Total stand-up guy, <laughs> just amazing man. And after about two months or so, I started to see little differences. And one thing that he also told me was start off in the back of the church. And then as time goes on, proceed and, and just move up a little closer to the altar. He said the altar represents the, the fire of God, the flame. And the closer that you get, you'll start to feel God working a little more deeply in your life. So I started to do that, and it was really weird. The closer that I moved to the altar, kind of the greater I felt God in that church. Not only in the church, but in my personal life. I started to act differently. I started to be more positive. I started to treat people with more respect. I started to be more honest. I started to be more thankful. I started to be nicer to my parents. I started to do better in school. I started to discover what I was passionate about. I started to discover my gifts. All of this from what? Listening to God and, mm-hmm. and, and talking to him. And it was, a, it was a dialogue. I would talk. I would listen. I would talk. I would listen. So it wasn't just like, God, please do this for me. Please do this. I would just sometimes just sit in there for a little bit. Mm-hmm. And it just radically tra- changed my life. That was rejected from 10 out of the 12 colleges that I applied to. So I was only left with kind of the schools that everybody gets into. You know what I mean? God didn't want me to go there and that he has something greater planned for me. I don't know what it is, but something's going to happen. And then fast forward, I go to St. John's University, and it was the best four years of my life. <laughs> but it was the fact that I, I that whole journey of Mr. started with Mr. Franzetti just sitting in the back of the church to me developing myself centered around now my faith. It's, it's my cornerstone. What was once something that I cared so little about is now something that my life revolves around. Every decision I make, revolves around my faith. I read, <laughs> I used to always tell myself, I'm going to read the Bible. I'm going to read the Bible. I'm going to never read the Bible. So finally, at the beginning of this year, I was like, I'm going to spend time every morning reading the Bible. And I believe that we get hungry and we eat. But I also believe that spiritually we're hungry, but we don't feed ourselves. Yeah. And reading the Bible has, be, I'm starting to feed myself the word of God. And I got to tell you, it's totally just amazing it's an amazing experience what 10 minutes in the the first thing in in the morning what that can do for you the lessons that you can learn how profound and you can just take it and reflect on your life it's an amazing experience so at this point in life faith is just everything to me and i'm so grateful for mr franzetti because without him i'm not sure i would have had the opportunity to harness the power of my faith and and try to be a beacon of light god just works in everything and everyone and it's just incredible, Jason. It truly is. Yeah, I mean, and it's and it's a matter of discipline and patience. I mean, with uh, Mr. Franzetti, you know, you kind of sitting day after day uh, in the pew, 
you know, in the back of the, the chapel of the church there. And, you know, maybe kind of, you could have just given up. And it's the same thing with the Bible. That's what happens. It happens to all of us. So we have these great intentions, but like after a few days and maybe we fall short, we miss a couple of days and the devil kind of says, Hey, you missed out. So just go ahead and stop now because you've failed at the task. And so, but you know, it's just a matter of just having that patience and discipline that it will pay off. And it just, like you said, 10 minutes, 30 minutes a day or something like that. You know, it's, it's amazing. And, and I, you know, um, like the podcast you're on now, you guys, you have your own podcast as well. The one life podcast is, is, is I said it right, right? Yep. When I, so, um, and uh, along with coaching and army and all the kind of stuff you do, it's just an extra thing. It's under your umbrella of podcast. So why is it called the the One Life Podcast? Because I, I mean, I guess we, we live this one life, right? Like you talked about it. It goes right. It goes back to my my grandmother. Yeah, and it just kind of came to me, right? I believe that when we listen out to God, He just provides things to us. I'll just be sitting there sometimes, and ideas will just come to me randomly. <laughs> and I'll, uh, God, I don't know, I don't know how this happened, but thank you. And this is kind of like the name of my podcast, The One Life Podcast. And the whole goal of the show is to enable other people to develop the internal tools required to take full advantage of the one life that you have to live. And it's it's really an amazing experience. I do a lot of solo episodes, but I also have a lot of episodes with a lot of guests from General Petraeus, CIA Director Petraeus, to Jason Dennis, <laughs> to Les Brown, to world record holding ultra marathon runners to you know guy Michele Graglia who just beat David Goggins in a Moab 240 just amazing 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 people who come on and and just give me their time which I'm so grateful for and I'm grateful for your time as well Jason to just show the world that I've achieved great things but you can also and here's the tools to do it yeah so I, I love it. It's an amazing experience, and I do it because I feel like I was called to do it, listening to God's calling on my life once again. Yeah, and do you, I mean, is that something, like you said, like you feel like it's God's calling and, and you're being a servant leader? Um, do you feel like, what does that do for you? Like when, when you're able to inspire others, when you're able to, whether it be hosting a podcast or speaking uh, somewhere, and hopefully, like you said, able to affect people like the, the, the young lady you were talking about, what does that do for you? I mean, does that just spark even more for you or does that just like, man, I'm, I'm pumped even more excited now. My heart just, my heart is just filled. I could do it all day, not make any money and just be so excited. I remember my dad. Don't, don't tell anybody that. Like, <laughs> no money. <laughs> well, listen, that, 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 that's I, coming. I, I didn't mean, I, I didn't mean that part. Okay. <laughs> but, but they always say, do something that you would do for free. But sure. at the same point, I also listen, I don't know if you know of Dr. Miles Monroe, mm -hmm. He says, people will pay you handsomely for your gift. Mm -hmm. And I believe that for me, of course, we all want to be compensated for the things. You know, they say money is nothing but a, but a yardstick of the value that you bring to an industry or, or the world. But for me, it, it really makes me so filled inside where, you know, it, they always say, do something you wouldn't be paid for. Do something you, you, you would enjoy not even being paid for. So for me, when I do it, it's just I, my heart just tingles. It sings. And we, I think we all have those things in life that, that just make our hearts sing. And I, I do it, you know, I don't know what it is. For some people, Jason, it might be painting. For other people, it, it might be writing. For me, it just happens to be using my voice, using my voice. 
But I also believe that all of us were called to use our voice to share our story with other people. Because the thing is, sometimes people think that their story is insignificant or that it doesn't measure up to somebody else's. They might not have the the traumas that somebody else had or the triumphs that somebody... But the thing is that everybody could relate in some way, some shape. Not everybody, one person. Like you told me before we started this, Jason, you started the podcast because if you could touch one person, mm-hmm. and in a similar way, why do I share my message? Because maybe if it helps one person, I know that I'm doing God's work. So for me, it's, it's really, I feel a calling on my life, being open to the ears of God and not to the ears of society or to the, the words and, and the influence of society that I should, I should say, because it's pervasive, it's everywhere. Society is trying to influence us to be like everybody else, especially with the social media and everything that's going on in our world. It's, it's just fall in and do what everybody else wants to do. And, and, and that's the reality of it. But God didn't produce us to just do that. And I believe that each and every one of us has a gift inside of us. The tree or- originally starts in, in a seed. And in a similar way, we have something within us that might seem small right now, but if we develop it, can grow into a, a Sherman oak tree, which is 280 feet high and 36 feet wide in circumference. But we have to be able to say, God, what is it that you want to use my life for? Not, you know, what do I want to do with my life? And that's, I, well, I believe, why 70% of the workforce is unhappy going to work every day. Because it's always about what do I want to do? What do I want to do? What do I, God? What do you want me to do? Yeah. What do you want to use me for? And I feel that this is what He wants to use me for. So let's get this thing rocking and rolling. <laughs> That's right, rocking and rolling. And and you know, and for your life in terms of growing, um, you know, you could have gone whole different direction obviously with you know you talking about w- with your dad and, and situations with your mom's health and um but i know you're talking about your grandparents your um your late grandfather jack scotty um he was in the marine corps during the um, korean war i believe and so was that for you was that also an important foundation for you in terms of obviously now you're in the army you're a second lieutenant um, and um, leading other you know men and women in the army um, was that something that like really changed you as well? Oh, absolutely. But I think on a subconscious level, I think that he instilled in me the being proud to serve your country because boy was he a patriotic guy. Hmm. He he was I, I recall some some frightening things that he told me, but he was on the front lines in Korea. He was like wow. I couldn't sleep at night because we were being chased each and every day with bayonets with, with guys trying to kill us. Man. But he survived and I asked him, Grandpa, so this is right before his death, do you have any any regrets in life? And the only thing that he ever told me was that I regret getting out of the military. Hmm. Why did he get out? Because his wife. He, she didn't, you know, my great-grandma, Louise, she didn't want to leave New York. She didn't want to go to South Carolina where he was stationed. So he did the thing that he felt was right for his family, and he got out. But that was the one thing that he regretted. So for me, listening to him and all of the stories that he always shared with me growing up, he lived right upstairs for me my entire life. So he, he, he lived. It was a two-story house. Upstairs was him. Downstairs was me. So all it took was me opening his door, walking up there, him him in his underwear, sitting on his chair. That's going to be you one that, day, right? That, that'll be me one day. <laughs> but uh, just listening to him and absorbing everything that he had to say about the military, it, it was just amazing. And now I get to see a lot of what he said. I get to experience a lot of it from a different lens, which I think is so cool. You know, generational 
transitions that happen in, in our culture. It's, it's just amazing. And I value not only my grandfather, but I think there's so much to be, to be learned from those that are, are up there in age. Like I was just hanging out a couple of days ago with my uncle, Ali, who was also, he, he was at Benning for a while and he was in the 82nd Airborne Division and just talking to him about, hey, how, what are the shifts in society that you've seen since you were a young, he's 90 years old. What are the mm. shifts that you've seen? You know, what are the things that you, you regret in life? What are the greatest things that you've done? Because I think we can learn so much from other people. They say that experience is the best teacher. That's not true. Wisdom is. How do you gain wisdom? By seeking it. So I believe that, you know, my grandfather, Jack, was just a phenomenal influence. That taught me so much. I could sit down here and talk about him all day. But I serve in the military, and a lot of it is because of him, seeing what he did and the type of man that he was which I emulate to be. I, I want to be like Jack Scott, a phenomenal man. But great man, great soldier, and a and true American hero. F- amazing. Yeah. And, you know, at, at uh, you know, just 23 years old now, you, you've you know, moved up the ranks and you're able to, to lead others. I mean, do you feel like it's uh, like an honor and a privilege? I mean, leadership for you, I know, and, and it's based on principles and based on like, like your faith and, um, and, and having, um, you know, where you've got a really, you've, you've got values where like, this is what we value. And uh, the U.S. Army has their principles and values. So for you, is that important to really kind of um, have, you know, uh, impart meaning on other people's lives, like you know, other men and women that you know that are serving alongside you. Oh, absolutely! And I'd, I'd be remiss if I didn't mention that going into the military. Once again, I was I was kind of cognizant of what I believe my calling is in life, which is to use my voice to influence others. So there came a point where I was struggling. Like I would I would ask people, you know, this military thing, it will is it a roadblock that will stop me from you know it. Is it delaying me from doing other things? And I had a lot of people tell me the same thing. Devin, when you've discovered what your purpose is or what you believe God called you to do, he will bring you into situations which will refine that gift and which will enable you to use that gift in a unique situation. So you being in the military, this is where you need to be Hmm. and where you can develop, refine, define that skill. So for me, I'm like, oh, I'm chomping at the bit to get in this thing because, number one, I know that I'll be able to use my gift, but also, number two, I strive to enable other people to discover and bring out their own gifts. And I think that being, in the leader, uh, being a leader in the military is the way to – you, you have the opportunity to do that. There's nowhere else in the world that I could be 23 years old and in a couple months I'll probably have somewhere between 30 and 45 people who I'll have influence over, direct influence over. So for me, it's just an incredible, and it is based all off principles. Because I believe that we can value anything in life, but that doesn't necessarily mean that it's good. You know, Someone that's addicted to drugs, God forbid, values those drugs. So I choose to use the word principle because that's just something that's a cornerstone to your identity. You can value things that aren't part of your identity, but principles talk to who you are as an individual. So for me, the principles that I live by are, are faith, integrity, connection, and loyalty. For me, those are some, of course I have more, but those are just some that are coming right now as the, 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 the cornerstones of my life. And ev- like I said, similar to my faith, as faith was num- one of those principles, everything else revolves around those different principles. So anytime that there's a decision I have to make, okay, does it align with my principles and what I encourage everybody to do, in fact, which I got from Stephen Covey, which you, you, you mentioned is one of his books. 
In fact, I believe a, an equally as good book that he, he wrote was First Things First, which is a chapter in uh, The Seven Habits. And in that book, he talks a lot about developing your personal mission statement. And for me, I did that. And it's just served as this beacon, this, this one-page document. It's maybe, I don't know, 150 words. For you, it might be a sentence, of a quote, whatever. But for me, anytime that I, I go through something, I can look at this. It clearly defines my purpose in life is this, my, my virtues. I say virtues, values, and principles. Because, yes, I do believe, you know, I'm not going to sit here and say, oh, if you call them values, you're wrong. No, of course not. I call them values as well. Just be careful of what you value. And then also, I also go on to say that I take full responsibility for my life, my future, and the things that I create for myself. And, the, and then the last thing is really, uh, I really want to empower other people to, to see God in their lives. So for me, it, it, it all revolves around that. And as a leader in the military, you can't go preaching the gospel all the time. But you can preach the gospel by living your life as a life of faith. And similar to the girl who said, I could tell that you're a man of faith. People could look at you as a leader and say, that person is a leader who has faith in something higher than himself because of how he or she treats me. Yeah. Actions speak louder than words, and, and the Holy Spirit will work through you. I mean, sometimes, it, like, we try to do stuff so much, like us, do stuff and fix stuff. It's like, let, let just let God work through you, you know, that kind of thing. And w- one last thing, you know, um, in terms of, you know, you, you talked about uh, having influence on other people. And I imagine, yeah, as somebody that was bullied growing up and going through those situations that you told stories about, that you now, like, not as a one to be a protector, but you want to make sure that people are treated you know, well, right. And not bullied. So you probably are cognizant of that as you, as you go through life that like, Hey, I know how it feels, right? Oh, absolutely. And that's why I perform a lot of service. One of the beautiful things about St. John's was that it was a Vincentian institution, St. Vincent de Paul. St. Vincent de Paul was a man who went around and really focused on giving support to those who were most marginalized in our society. So as a result, since we were a Vincentian institution, we took a lot of different mission trips that if you wanted to have an opportunity to to serve, that was there for you 100%. So I went to Kensington, Philadelphia, which is is riddled by homelessness, crime, drugs, terrible situation, performed service there. Then we went to Houston, Texas after Hurricane Harvey helped rebuild some houses there. So a different type of service that was great. And the greatest type of service that I I participated in, all great, but this one will always be special to me because I led it. We went down to um, Skid Row in downtown Los Angeles and spent about a week there just performing a bunch of different types of community service. And And I'll end on this one last little quick story. I was heading home from college one day and it was, God works in funny ways. We were talking about how the homeless view God. Hmm. My, my professor, Jimmy Walters, fabulous person, was talking about, you know, they actually see God and they see God working in their lives. And I was like, how is this possible? They don't have anything in their life. So I drive home, and on my drive home, once again, going back to these crowded New York streets where there's a stoplight every 10, 10 meters that you go, there was this huge intersection. And at this intersection, there was always this, this homeless man named Kyle. And the way that he would get you to give him, mon- to, to give him money was that he would dance. <laughs> he would hear your music in your car, and you would just start jamming out. And it was, you, would, you would laugh. You would give him a dollar or two. But this day, I was like, you know what? I want to do something a little different for Kyle. So I said, Kyle, let's go to Dunkin' Donuts, which was about 
100 feet away from where we were. Okay, let's go to Dunkin' Donuts. Okay, yes, I will take a, a give me a coffee and a donut, and let's get Kyle a large coffee. What do you want, milk sugar? Okay, milk sugar, and let's get him two, two donuts. Is that okay, Kyle? Yes, that's okay. Okay, so we go, and we sit down, and we have the coffee, and we, we, we have a good time. And then we get out and we leave. And then as soon as he's about to walk away, I say, Kyle, hold on. I got to ask you a question. Because I was thinking about what my professor had been saying. I said, Kyle, how do you view God? And he says, Devin, listen, you coming to me, I could only give you about 10% of credit for that. What do you mean you could only give me about? <laughs> I took time <laughs> out of right. my day. I paid for those donuts. Yeah. That came out of my <laughs> money. Actually, probably my parents' money because they were helping me out. Well, we don't got to mention. But anyway, I said, what do you mean? He says, well, well, I have to give God the other 90% because he sent you here. And every time that I see people like you, I know that God is present in my life. He says, I, I, look at, I look at these streets and I see people driving all these fancy cars and have all of this money. And some of them don't even stop and pay me any attention. But God sends people like you to me. I sleep on the subway tracks. I sleep on the street. I sleep with rats and all these other animals. Yet, I know that God is present in my life. So for me, service is all about not giving people money or, or giving them a donut, but to show them that they're human as well. Because Jesus did the same exact thing. He, yeah. did, he, he Of course, he blessed people and, and he did pretty incredible things for people, but he also showed people that they're valued. And for me, that's, that's my goal. That's my goal in life. You know, coaching, speaking, I just want people to see that I have value in me, that sometimes the world might not tell me that I have. But there is greatness in me. There was something that I was born to do. We, we were all born to do something that I believe. But it all really starts with understanding that you are a person of value. And for me, that all starts with looking up above and seeing where it comes from and then trying to show other people through my actions, not my words. I'm not telling everybody that I, that I meet, believe in Jesus, believe in Jesus, believe in Jesus. No. How I act is a reflection of my belief in Jesus. So for me, service, service to others is, is everything. And it, it brings me, you know, there's a duality. Yes, we do good for other people, but it's also the best thing that we could do for ourselves. Yeah. There's nothing that's filled my heart more than doing for others. Yeah. It's incredible. Well, I definitely uh, value our time together, and I appreciate you. Uh, so glad. I mean, God put us together on that uh, that path uh, for that, <laughs> that that 76 miles. I made it 35, so I'll make it. So maybe we can run a marathon together, a little shorter distance sometimes. So we'll we'll do that and get together. But uh, only wish you the best and Godspeed, and, uh, and we'll look forward to listening to more of your podcast. Uh, you're the man, Jason. <laughs> Thanks, Devin. I'm really looking forward to the things he does in the, the uh, years and decades to come. I'll, I'll say I knew him when. So uh, thank you so much, Devin, for uh, for coming on the podcast. And uh, I read somewhere that on his professional bucket list, he wants to create the world's largest leadership consulting organization and also become a special forces special operations officer. So maybe he could have a very long military career. He's at least doing the, the first four-year stint. And so we, we thank him and all our, our military for serving for us again as we uh, also honor those who have passed away 
on uh, around this Memorial Day. Now to our final segments of the podcast that you know well here on the on Run the Race, including uh, Food for Thought that's going to help you a little bit in terms of uh, getting some of that weight off from the pandemic maybe we a lot of us gained, and also a parting gift, uh, some, some wisdom um, in terms of uh, leadership and young people from the Bible. We start with an article from the Today Show on NBC. Uh, it says that the best way to lose weight boils down to these five principles. Now, we know summertime's you know, pretty much here. Uh, beach trips are being planned, and more than half of U.S. adults actually gave themselves grades of C, D, or F on managing their weight. Uh, so we've, we've, some of us have gained that uh, maybe COVID-19, 19 pounds, 15 pounds, something like that. Um, so here, here's the five principles, according to the experts that talk to the Today Show. Number one, practice healthy eating habits. So that means, you know, eating more vegetables, uh, which that's going to fill you up. So does whole foods. So try more of those. Also limit your sugars and limit processed foods. Uh, that has, you know, more calories per bite. Number two, pay attention to why you eat. If it's uh, stress or comfort eating, that's okay to do at times, but it can't be really a go-to for always dealing with your emotions, grabbing something to eat. And also identify your emotional triggers. Uh, maybe instead of uh, grabbing a comfort food or something, you know, uh, junk food to eat when you're you know, emotional or stressed out, Go for a walk instead. You know, fitness does help you with that. Uh, number three, take an I got this attitude. Behavioral science studies say if you got that attitude, I got this, it promotes weight loss. And then you make a plan and you execute it. Number four, address stress and sleep issues. Those take a toll on you. Um, so some, some ways to do that, connect with your, your friends and, and family. Again, now that a lot of us maybe hopefully are vaccinated, you can do that. Um, and another way is write down your thoughts before bed. So you just jot that down so you're not kind of constantly thinking about it. It's kind of out of your head, hopefully a little bit. And have a consistent sleep routine. And the last of these uh, principles to uh, maybe help you lose weight, exercise but not to lose weight. Uh, exercise is great for helping you with sleep and stress. But it can also make you hungrier. I know I run a lot, and I'm hungry a lot. So kind of they kind of cancel each other out essentially. Uh, even though I run, you know, 40 miles a week or so, uh, I eat quite a bit. So I don't really lose weight. Uh, but that's not really my goal at this point. And for our parting gift, uh, go to the 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 Holy Word, the Bible, First Timothy 4:12 says. Don't let anyone look down on you because you are young, but set an example for the believers in speech, in conduct, in love, in faith, and in purity. So just because you're young doesn't mean that you can't uh, really uh, set an example for others in terms of what you say, how you act, how you love others. Uh, your faith, and also how pure you are. And so, you know, Devin Rodriguez, my guest, uh, the second lieutenant, my guest for, for this episode, 23 years old, you know, half my age, and really um, has some powerful things to say to people. So uh, don't, don't, uh, don't look past folks just because they're young. Uh, you know, they, they, may have, they have some stories to tell it too, and they can teach us uh, older folks some things for sure. All right, closing now in prayer. Dear, uh, dear Jesus, uh, just thank you for this opportunity to, to look to you, uh, to, to, to gather together and talk about our faith and how that really impacts all aspects of our lives. 
And uh, Lord Jesus, we just we pray for our military around this time or any time of the year, uh, and, and family members of those who, who have lost loved ones in war and uh, those who have fought for our freedom. We pray uh, as more and more people travel and as they get vaccinated over the over the summer, that people will be safe out on the roads, Lord God. And just pray for mental health as well as we just came through this Mental Health Awareness Month in May, that it's so important that uh, people dealing with anxiety and depression, Lord God, just uh, touch their head and their heart and their mind. Uh, Lord Jesus, we just uh, we thank you for all you do for us, the miracles you pour upon us every single day. In your name we pray. Amen. All right, thank you so much uh, for tuning in, uh, listening again. Uh, you can go to WTVM.com slash podcast anytime to listen to any of the previous uh, 67 episodes. Uh, my last one was with a, a, a high school and college friend of mine, a Hen Oi, for uh, Asian American uh, and uh, Pacific Islander Heritage Month. And he talked about uh, his family's escape from Cambodia when he was a child, escaping death there. And uh, he's also uh, cycled coast to coast across the U.S. and as a wrestling coach for the last two decades. So a lot of stories from him on fitness and faith. It was great catching up with him. Make sure to check that out on Run the Race. And looking forward to talking to a lot more fascinating people in the coming months. And uh, we will catch you on the next one.